Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint and the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. All right, Corey. Go ahead and put that bear fat in. All of it? Yep. Let's uh we just need to keep it stirring. So we are we're in Montana and we've got a we got a fire going. We're on the side of the creek here. We just put about seven pounds of fresh Montana spring color phase bear fat into a Dutch oven. And Maybe the most apropos bear grease render of all time. We're going to render bear grease while we are talking. So, welcome to the bear grease render, everybody. Like I said, we're in Montana, and I'm joined by two special guests. I have to my left, Bear John Newcomb, my son. Hello. How's it going, Bear? Pretty good. Pretty good. Bear's got a story to tell us here in a little bit. And then Corey Calkins of Meat Eater. Corey, good to have you, man. Thanks for having me. We are, we're Creekside. We've been bear hunting in Montana. And so for, for anybody that this would be their first bear grease render, the bear grease render is when we, we talk, generally talk about the previous week's podcast. On this episode, this is in the field bear grease render, which is a little bit different. Uh, we're going to talk about the adventures that we've had over the last five days. This is the fifth day of our Western Spring Bear Hunt. Corey, you've been doing this for a long time though, right? Yeah, I sure have up in these parts anyway. Bear, this is your first spring bear hunt. Yep. Western Spring Bear Hunt. Yep. What are your impressions so far, man? Um, I like it. I mean, it's a lot different than hunting back in Arkansas. I mean, like everything's bigger. So like you're, the hunting is just way different. Yeah. Big mountains. Yep big big mountains we're going to talk some about our last genuine outlaw series we're going to talk about that but we're also going to talk about that on the next render but i want to dive into uh our hunt this week Corey. this is my seventh montana spring bear hunt in i think nine years i think it's my seventh hunt no no seventh hunt in in eight years because once i came twice last year i came twice to montana 
Um, so I'm counting that as two different hunts. Man, you've guided back in here for a long time. That's right. Tell me what you used to do before you worked for Meat Eater, and then I want to hear what you do for Meat Eater. Well, I guided back here for eight years. Uh, fishermen in the summer, I should say spring bear hunters, and then fishermen all summer, and then yeah. come September we'd do eight weeks of archery and then rifle elk hunters too. Yeah. Guided back here for a while and then moved down to Bozeman and guided fishermen and hunters down around Bozeman for about seven years after that. So yeah, been guiding for about 15 years till I started for Meat Eater. You started for Meat Eater a year and a half ago? Correct. And now, Bear, did you know that Corey guided for a big fancy elk outfit in Montana and you guided, I mean, like over 30 successful elk hunts mm-hmm. for hunters. Is that right? Yeah. What years would that have been? 2014 to 2020. Really? Mm-hmm. Can you tell the name of that place or no? It's the CA Ranch. Yeah. Climbing Arrow Ranch. It just sold uh, to some new owners. So the history of it has changed quite a bit just in the last year. It's not a secret place anymore. It's It's a well-known ranch for both its history and the elk hunting. Guys like Will Primos, who's been on yeah. the show, has hunted there. Yeah, so we're Bear, we're up here talking, and and Corey had heard Will Primos on this podcast, and he was like, "Yeah, I know Wilbur Primos. I guided him for elk." Oh, Wilbur. Yeah, isn't that cool? Now you were guiding back into you were doing horse trips, mule trips back into some pretty wild places. Mm-hmm. So you've been around equine and mules a lot. My whole life, yeah. I grew up with them. My parents had a couple horses, more show horsing. They'd throw my little cute blonde hair, blue-eyed kid on a on a bay horse and ride me around, and we'd win some blue ribbons just for showing. Oh, nice. And then they, my parents did some trips back in here on horseback, so I grew up with them. And then they got a little expensive as I got older, so yeah. we got rid of horses. But then when I started working back here, started using horses yeah. and mules. You know, yeah, packing on them. So our hunt this week, we're just on foot. We, uh, I didn't, the last, I think twice I've brought mules for spring bear hunting into Montana. Um, but this year we're just on foot and uh, we've walked, how much do you think we've walked over the last four days, Corey? I'd say we've we've averaged about 10 miles a day. So over 40 miles, 40 to 50 miles. Yeah, we've covered, we've covered some ground. Baird, were you a little bit wore out after day three? <laughs> Yes. I got to say, though, these Arkansas boys do pretty well in the Montana mountains, I will say. Well, Bear's getting big enough now where he can outwalk and outhunt me, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I can see that. It took him a while to get there, but uh, he's there now. We've got this, uh, we've got a big Dutch oven that's just full of bear fat. We're going to have to get this fire hotter, um, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, move that. So we got our grate over the fire, and we really want to get that fire right up under that pot it's got to be pretty darn hot to render it down okay we gotta we gotta tell so the the way that we're hunting these bears up here is that there's a lot of heavily forested area not a lot of openings but there's a lot of logging activity and so we're walking roads so these roads green up before everything else and it's no secret about how in the northwest people hunt bears in the spring, there's there's no berries. The berries haven't ripened yet. There's no hard mast because hard mast grows all summer and then is ready in the fall. Pretty much what these bears have to eat is insects that are coming out and then green vegetation and then anything they could catch as far as meat, like they might catch an elk calf or a moose calf or find winter kill carrion type stuff. That means, though, that these roads create openings in the timber where green grass grows, vegetation grows, there's these clear cuts. Wherever the sun can reach the forest floor, there's going to be green stuff. And man, there's no rhyme or reason. Well, there is rhyme or reason, but you're basically just trying to cover as much possible ground as as you can, find bear sign, and then hunt in those areas. And bear sign would be bear scat along roads, you might see bears from a long ways if, if in places there's small openings where you can see stuff. But this week we've had we it's been pretty wild because we've seen Corey, how many bears have we seen? Thirteen, I believe. Well, and, fourteen if you count the one that I was thirty yards from but couldn't see last night. Yeah. So, and so fourteen. 
Okay, 14 bears, and give me the breakdown on the species of bears. <laughs> You're well, getting smoked. Corey's getting smoked out. Well, we've seen three grizzlies from camp. Four, five grizzlies, and the rest were black bears. So five grizzlies, and then so uh, so nine black bears. Yeah. Five grizz, nine black bears. Um. So let's start off by telling what happened on day two with the uh, the incident, as we'll call it. All right, Bear, I need some input from you on this. So it had been raining, it had been raining, and it was cold. Temperatures have been fairly cold up here, which I like for bear hunting in the spring. Mm-hmm. And it'd been raining, and right at last light, we we found a road that we liked, Corey liked, and we decided to walk it. We started walking it, and we found small amount of small, what we believe to be a small black bear based upon the the gauge of the bear scat and the size of it. It looked like a small black bear. But then as we're walking, we're probably a mile from the truck, and we start seeing some big grizz tracks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if – you can tell a grizz track from a black bear track by its architecture. You know, a, a, a black bear, you're typically not going to be able to see the claws, and it's kind of rounder and just typically smaller. A grizz is going to be uh, much bigger. You're going to be able to see the claws. And this track was just evidently grizz. Did you think so, Bear? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like twice as big as a black bear track. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, we guessed it was about seven inches wide. Seven-inch pad, mm-hmm. which... Okay, when you're gauging bear tracks, and we got we tested this theory. I've done it a hundred times, but we tested it again. Pretty much the width of the bear track, add one inch to it, and that typically gives you the square of the bear. So if it's a four-inch track, you go four plus one equals five, and so that means it's a five-foot square bear. So if you have a seven-inch track, that's typically an eight-foot bear. It doesn't always play out just like that, but it's gets you in the ballpark. And the square of a bear, my goodness, we're just digging ourselves a hole of having to explain stuff. Um, bear, how do you square a bear? Do you know? You measure from claw to claw, like the wingspan of the front the, arms. The, 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 a bear that's uh, the height, a yeah, green like height out, of a bear. Stretched out on the ground, and then from tip of the nose to the base of the tail, add them up together, divide them by two. Yep. And that gives you the square. So, like a six-foot square bear would be like a really solid good bear. Like, there wouldn't be very many sows that would square six foot, even though it's possible. Um, A seven-foot bear would be a giant. I have seen with my own eyeballs in all the Canadian bear camps and all the bears I've seen and help people skin, I've seen one true seven-foot bear. And so everybody and their brother that, you know... I don't know. I've seen a lot of bears, and I've only seen one that was a true seven-foot square bear. That's just that's just the way it was. Like Andy Brown said, that's just the way it happened. I loved it when Andy Brown said that on about Louie Dell and Charlie turning their dogs out on October 1st. He just said, Clay, that's just the way it happened. I've only seen one seven-foot bear. Um, so there we are, walking the road, hour before dark. It's raining. We see grizz tracks. We start seeing a little bit of grizz scat, and we see black bear scat, which is odd because typically the grizz push out the black bear. That's the theory anyway. Yeah, they don't like to hang out together. Right. As far as I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to the end of this road, and we're sitting there trying to decide what to do, and Bear Newcomb hears a stick pop way out in the woods, probably 75 yards away, and he says, hey, did y'all hear that? We stop, and sure enough, pop. We hear another stick pop, and Corey says that's for sure an animal. You know, when you hear a, stick, a twig snap, you know, maybe a, a, a log fell or, you know, just something. A squirrel drop a pine cone or something. You know, you never know. And it was two distinct crack. And then 20 seconds later, crack. Mm-hmm. And we're like, there's an animal there. And then we keep listening, and we're keyed up on it now. And we hear it scratching, kind of, what was it doing, like digging or something? It sounded like a dig. Something with claws was scratching or digging. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was right away with all the bear sign thinking, bear. So, so Corey goes, that's for sure a bear. 
but it's in such thick timber, we don't know, we can't see it. Well, I have my Phelps predator call with me. And so I go, hey, let's, let's predator call that thing and see if it'll come in. And what was cool is that the whole week, Corey had asked me if I'd ever been successful predator calling a bear. And I've not done it a ton, but I told him that one time in British Columbia, we called up a bear that was probably 300 yards away by blowing on a, 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 a rabbit squealer and watched it come across a clear cut like into bow range. It was a small bear. And, um, and then another time in British Columbia on a different hunt, we had a sow out in a field, Bear John Newcomb, and the sow was feeding in grass. It was a bear we didn't want to kill. We were just messing around. We are probably 80 yards from her, and we go to wailing on a predator call, and we were thinking she's going to lift up her head from that grass and just come busting into us. She literally didn't even lift her head, and I'm not exaggerating. She didn't even acknowledge us, and we're, eh, eh, eh. I mean, just wailing on this thing. It, like, didn't affect her at all. And then one time in Washington, we probably made five or six sets of uh, blowing a predator call for bear. So, you know, mixed success. Mm -hmm. Well, I get about five yards behind bear and kind of tuck him up by a little spruce. Corey gets up on a bank behind some trees. We've got two guns. We're in grizz country. And so I pull out my bear spray, take the take the safety off and have bear spray because we're in a tight quarters. You can see like 10 yards in any direction. Yeah. And we've got yards. a bear out here and we're about to blow on a predator call. Sounds like a good idea. Man, that fat's looking good. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, it is. Listen Look to at this. That. Oh my lands. Wow. It's looking really good. Mm. So bears ready. Corey's ready. We got two guns and bear spray. And I, I start, probably 20 seconds, I make eye contact with Corey, and I can tell he's watching a bear. And what happened? There was a little black bear, maybe a four-foot black bear, just bounding across the logs right for the call. And from what we could hear, hear scratching, well, that must have been what was scratching. 20 seconds of calling, that bear was on us in 10 seconds. Yeah. And bounded to the edge of the little opening we had and then just hit how, how close was it bear he's probably like 10 yards from me and bear has his gun up and pretty much if it had stepped in the opening i don't think we would have gauged much we probably would he'd probably would have just shot it mm -hmm. yep. and so you got your gun up bears come running in and now you what did you tell me after that you said it's kind of uh you said it's kind of unnerving yeah i mean like because you're right behind me and so, like, the bear is, I mean, he's coming for the predator call. He's wanting to eat something. And it sounds like, I mean, you can't tell how big he is. You just hear brush <laughs> cracking. So I don't know if a... It could have been a grizz. Yeah, I don't know if an eight-foot grizzly is about to bust out of the brush 10 yards in front of me. Or, or it's going to be a... Or a lion. Or a black bear. Yeah. So. And so here comes, here comes the brush crashing. Corey goes, there's a bear. I can't see the bear. And... Okay, you take it from here, Corey. I, once I could see it bounding and I could tell what it was, I whispered, black bear, black bear. And both Bear John and I raise our guns up. We both had tags, both ready to fill it. And the bear just came to the edge and stopped like it hit a brick wall. It must have winded us or seen us standing there. Came to that brick wall, stopped, and just turned and bounded the same speed away as it did coming in. And took five steps into the woods and out of nowhere a big silverback grizzly bear <laughs> chasing right to left chases that little black bear right up into a tree 40 yards away from us i mean the, the whole scene was 20 30 yards into the woods but it chases the black bear how high into the tree that's 20 30 feet up a tree that little black bear was scared to death and so were we. So this little black bear comes bounding, and I whisper, black bear, black bear, black bear. When it stopped and turned around, and I knew we couldn't get a shot, two seconds later, grizzly, 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 grizzly. It was intense. And just Clay and I and Bear, we just started screaming, hey, bear, hey, bear, get out of here, bear. It was, it went from, all right, we're going to get a shot here to, 
we need to protect our lives. It felt like, I mean, the way it was running across the woods like that. And it was the wildest thing because all, you know, you always feel like if there's black bear around, there's not a grizz around. And it is, it is an incredible mystery why this grizz and that black bear were within no way they couldn't have been more than a hundred yards apart. Yeah. Because they, they I mean, we didn't call for 30 seconds. The woods are that thick, though. They they could easily be coming down parallel to each other right? W- without knowing each other. It was wet. There was no wind. The scent kind of stays around you. It's possible they didn't know each other were there. And so, I mean, just to, I mean, Corey just said it, but basically this bear comes running in. We're about to shoot it. Corey says, black bear, black bear. So we're just like about to shoot. The bear's thinking about it. And then he goes, Grizz, Grizz, Grizz. And at that point, we all, Bear clicks the safety off his gun. I start yelling, hey, Bear, hey, Bear, hey, Bear, hey, Bear, and kind of step out where I can see good. And the black bear shoots 30 feet up a tree, probably 50 yards from us. And I look out and I see the Grizz turn and just make eye contact with me out there at about I felt like it was a bow shot away, you know, 40 yards. Those beady little eyes just looking through the dark timber at you. I can and only imagine. It was such a wild scene because there's this grizz standing there, and there's a black bear in the tree right above it, and bear's trying to shoot the black bear. <laughs> <laughs> bear's like, should I shoot it? Should I shoot it? And I absolutely would have let him shoot it, but I was thinking, is this smart to shoot a black bear because we're going to have to skin this black bear back here. That was my thought. While we know for a fact that there's a grizz right there. The bear, the black bear would have landed on the grizzly bear. Literally. Yeah. And so bear has his gun up and he's saying, Dad, I got my crosshairs on that black bear. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to shoot it bad, didn't yep. you? Yep. <laughs> and then, but we're yelling at the grizzly bear. So we're... Hey, bear, hey, bear, hey, bear. And so the black bear is flipping out. He ran up the tree because a grizz chased him up the tree, and now there's three humans yelling at him. And so, I mean, just no sooner than all this happened, you know, we're talking, we've been talking about this for 10 minutes. This happened in the span of 25 seconds. Absolute chaos. And anyway, the bear's coming down the tree, and the bear gets halfway down the tree and stops, and bear says again, Dad, I can shoot, I can shoot. And I go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I just, I don't know, I just wasn't sure enough, you know? And if you're not 100%, don't do it. And we weren't, I, it was just too much chaos to know what to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think we made the right decision. <laughs> that was day two, so we weren't, yeah. if it was day five maybe, you know, but yeah, day two, just take your, take your time, and we weren't 100% sure, so. That, so that was a wild, wild experience. Now, Corey, guiding one time you had to shoot at you know to scare a grizz tell me that story yeah i had an archery hunter um that i was guiding and we parked our horses and walked up this ridge got onto a little bench and same similar thing heard an animal cracking in the woods but we're elk hunting so assuming it was an elk i mean that was what we were after and very elk uh, heavy zone mm-hmm and we got set up without even calling or anything, without seeing anything. We just got set up to try and call this whatever it was in, hoping it was a lone bull elk or something. It's September 10th. Right. And I set my client up behind a bush, 10-foot bush, all big alder bush, and I backed up about 50 yards and gave one little cow-calf squeal. And whatever it was was walking towards us. You could just hear it couple cracks here like it kind of sounded like a hoof i was i was just thinking okay here we go here's an elk coming in client was hoping for a big bull but i was assuming he was going to shoot anything like maybe it's just a cow coming in to the calf call whatever 20 seconds later a giant grizzly bear stands over the top of this bush now that bush might have been nine feet tall I might wow. be over-exaggerating, maybe eight feet tall, but that bear stood a foot over the top of that bush. Wow. Now, Montana black, grizzly bears, excuse me, don't get that big, but it, in the moment, it was a giant. That bear stands up on two legs and is looking for whatever's making that noise. Now, that bear's on the other side of the bush for my hunter. Now, my hunter's on, I think, a knee or two knees 
waiting for an elk to step out from either side. Right, he yeah. has no idea. This bush is so thick that he has no idea that there's a bear standing five yards on the other side of the bush over the top. And it's looking around. And when I see that the bear, yeah, I pull out my 44 revolver and fire it off in the air and just start screaming. And the bear gets down, <laughs> like it turned on two feet, took off and went up the hill, but not out of sight, just up and stopped. Like it scared it, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't leave. That was a close call for sure. I mean, wow. I think if he would have saw my hunter and caught him off guard like that, who knows what, it was a big boar yeah. grizzly bear. Who knows what the bear yeah. would have done. Uh, scared the bejesus out of that hunter though. When I, when he's quiet, just sitting there and all of a sudden a 44 mag goes off 50 yards behind yeah. it, scared him a little bit. Yeah, I bet it did. But you, you probably saved him at minimum from a very, very close call and, and maybe even from getting whooped on by there is could have could have happened it was a close call no doubt um we were talking earlier about black bears and grizzly and you know the grizzlies are typically the ones that you hear about being dangerous and and certainly i would say that that's true i mean they they are the ones that are dangerous um but you you were telling me a story just randomly this morning about a black bear that attacked a guy tell me that story Corey. Well, gosh. Bear, Corey's got some good stories. When <laughs> you spend eight years guiding, you have a lot of good stories. Yeah. Um, we were floating, floating our rafts down the river that I was guiding on, and there was a single gentleman just on the riverbank. I couldn't tell if he was tying a shoe or tying a fly on the end of his fly line. He was just sitting there up against a big boulder, and as we come up to him, we're saying, hey, how's it going? How long are you going to be out here? You camping? You're way or back you in the woods. I mean, you're way away from civilization. Yeah, we're pretty far in there, um, and chit chatting. But as the boat goes around this rock and this gentleman, as we're floating downstream by him, I see a little black bear, five and a half, maybe a six foot black bear, sniffing that rock like he can smell something funny. And I go, black bear, black bear, like sir get up there's something sniffing right behind you and he gets up and the bear scurries off runs up into the woods didn't think much about it this is another yeah. another bear a little too close to a human but it freaked him out for sure come to here a week later that gentleman got drug out of his tent by a black bear wow whether he had a snickers bar in his tent or his toothpaste or whatever that bear now don't know if it was the same black bear or not but that person got drug out of his tent and got beat up pretty bad if i remember right life flight had to fly in and pick and him up and a get black him bear mm-hmm. and when you told me that story i mean it makes sense to me that it was i mean had to have been the same bear i mean if it was that curious i mean it's possible yeah that's wild it's very ironic regardless well we were what we were talking about was what's more dangerous a black bear or a grizzly and i mean the obvious answer is a grizzly but there, there are definitely more grizzly fatalities, but there are a, a, quite a few black bear attacks, but black bears are in much, a much, much larger geographic area. I mean, exponentially larger than where grizz are, so it's not really comparing apples to apples, you know. But, uh, Bear, what's the closest bear encounter you've had? Probably that. The, the, the one we just had? Yeah. Have no. you ever been bear baiting with me when we've had bears get... I mean, I've... I remember one time whenever I was probably like 10, we were going in on a bait and there was already a bear there. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember twice that happened. And once where we were baiting and there was kind of a bear just like probably 50 yards away from us. Just kind of circling. Yeah, in Oklahoma. Do you remember the one time we had a bear? You were just a little boy and there was a little bear at a bait. And... uh I, I, I kind of halfway remember saying, hey, bear, see if you can see how close you can get to that bear. And you started stalking him. I mean, you were just a little kid. And uh, you you kind of got a little ways away from me, and all of a sudden I was like, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> and I called you back, and then I I went in and stalked up pretty close. It was when we first started baiting bears pretty was hard. Was when you heavy. were guiding? Yeah. Yeah, I think I kind of remember that. Yeah, I sent you in, and it was such a small bear. I was like, it was just kind of funny. Uh-huh. And then, and then the bear didn't wasn't afraid. And then I moved in and got about five yards from it. And then I I remember having the 
initial thought, first time I ever thought it, of that, that's like a 125-pound raccoon. <laughs> and I have incredible <laughs> respect for a raccoon. And I was like, oh, I get it now. There was a time when I was like, I remember having a philosophy at one time in my life, Corey, that a 150-pound tough man ought to be able to combat a 150-pound bear. I was like, bear muscle, muscle is muscle. So if it's a 150-pound bear, other than he's got claws and teeth, you should be good. And then uh, I've recanted that since. I think bear muscle is uh, more <laughs> legit than human muscle. Now I realize how stupid that was. <laughs> Punch him in the nose. Punch him in the nose. Right? It's like hitting a man in his groin, I've heard. Really? Punch I haven't had nose. to yet, but if you punch him in the nose, it hurts him. Yeah. That's their weak spot. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Well, okay, so that was the, the exciting part of day two. The exciting part of day three was we we decided to walk back into an area that was just kind of walk-in only, and we 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 left the truck around one o'clock. Would you say, guys? One o'clock, we leave the truck. Yeah, pretty early. 
in the and afternoon. We start finding quite a bit of grizz sign, and grizz sign is just going to be like huge piles of bear scat that are just way bigger than you know a black bear would have. It's usually pretty obvious. It's like the size of a horse. Yeah. Horse scat. Yeah. yeah. And so we started seeing some grizz sign. We continued to do a little predator calling. Uh, we were kind of encouraged by our success with predator calling. So we had a pretty good system where I would have the bear spray out and I would be turned around behind these guys and they had two rifles. And we started predator calling in bigger, more open areas where you could see something coming. And we'd, we probably predator called four or five more sets and, and never had any success, even though we did predator call at a sow and cubs that we saw. And they moved towards us slightly, but they wouldn't commit to coming in. We could see them a long ways off. So on this day, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we we would later in the day see a sow with cubs. Black bear. Black bear. Predator call at them. The sow just got real nervous and got pacing around, and she'd trot 40 yards closer to us and then stop, and the cubs would run up to her, and then she'd kind of run back, and... You could tell she was just kind of confused, and she was out there about 200 yards from mm-hmm. us and never would commit, But um, and we just wanted to see what she would do. But prior to that, we were coming around, We started seeing some bear scat in the road, and then what happened, bear? We come around a corner, and we look up, and we, what do we see? Uh, It's like a almost completely blonde. Hold on, hold on. You're missing one. The Grizz. Oh, I don't want you to cut to the chase yet. Before we saw the sow and two cubs. We've seen a lot of bears this week. Yeah. <laughs> we saw a, a grizzly bear probably 80, 90 yards away. Yeah. We kind of come up over a little rise. There's a grizzly 80, 90 yards away just in the wide open. Mm-hmm. And uh, we watch it for a little while, and finally it kind of moves off. And we we let it, after we watched it for a minute, we kind of let it know that we were there. Just kind of made our presence known. Just kind of waved our hands a little bit. Yeah, it didn't take much. She yeah. saw us, took off. Took off. And that's when we hunted on up, saw the black bear sound cubs. Mm-hmm. And then we split up for the first time in the hunt. Corey kept going down a road, and Bear and I dropped off the mountain to a lower road that we'd found on Onyx. We knew there was a road right below us. And we'd been split up. It took us probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes at most, to get down to the road. And we're making our way back to the truck, and now it's about 7 o'clock. And Bear and I are coming down this road, this road, Corey, just beautiful green grass, which is perfect. And it was in a cut. So both sides of the road had, uh, for whatever reason, had been cut by the Forest Service. So there was just like big openings which is great. And around the big openings was big, dark timber. And, you know, it's getting the last two hours of daylight, just prime time. And you're just slipping along, just just trying to see a bear before it sees you. And you're thinking it's going to be 150 yards away or, or 90, 100 yards away. Bear and I are just moving down through there slow. And Bear, was I pumped about that? I mean, yes. did, was I like, what yeah, did I you say? Were, you were saying that this is where we're going to kill a bear. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Now, I, I say that like every day we go hunting, but this yeah. one was like, this one I was a little amped up more than usual, right? Yep. Yep. Could you tell? Yes. <laughs> so we're we're walking down this road, and I'm this is Bear's first spring bear hunt, so, so I'm trying to just tell him how how good this scenario is that we found ourselves in. And uh, yeah, man, the, the bear fat good. is looking incredible liquid gold here folks. so what we've done is we've uh yeah we're gonna get back to the hunt we gotta we gotta talk about this for a minute we've uh pulled the heat off of this fat and there's there's still what i would call the cracklings did you see one mm-hmm. it's pretty hot good. tastes like chicken tastes like chicken yeah it's hot but it's good yeah um it's like a pork rind i would say the the oil is light like kind of amber colored and the cracklings there's a we'll get a little bit more liquid oil out of that the finer that you can cut your bear fat put it on low heat the finer that you can cut it the more yield of liquid 
bear grease, bear oil you'll get from it. All we did was we cubed up, we cubed up about five to seven pounds of bear fat, put it in the Dutch oven and put good heat on it. And Corey's been stirring it this whole time. And so it's now probably 80% liquid, 20% solid. And the little cracklings eventually get down to where they won't render out into liquid oil anymore. The best way, though, to do it, to get the most yield of liquid oil and bear grease is to grind it. Um, but in this scenario, we had to we had to just dice it up into like one-inch cubes and then just keep it stirring, keep it on good heat. And what we'll do now is we're going to let it cool down for a while. And we're going to run it through a dish towel as a filter to filter out any, just any particles that were in there. You know, some of our meat in the field, you know, there might have been a, something on it. We're going to filter it through a dish towel and pour it into some jars that we have. And so we'll get some fantastic oil. But we're going to kind of let it, we'll let it take a little bit of heat, but we're going to let it cool down. Cool. So, there we were, Bear John. We're walking down the road. It's prime time. We're looking out to our left at big snow-covered mountains. Walking through a road of emerald green. It was like a bear hunter's dream. It's like it being November 5th, and you're sitting over a bunch of good sign and in your white-tailed tree stand. And you just feel like it's about to happen. I really felt like it was about to happen. Well. What happens, Bear? What happened? Well, so we, so we're walking down this road, and there's kind of like this little rise in the road where it kind of goes up and then drops down, and there's like a little brush pile almost to the left of the road, right even with like the peak of the rise. So we can't really see anything in that area, like because the brush is covering it, and then there's the rise, so we can't see. Over that, so we come up right to the top of this, to this little rise, and you, like, duck down, and you're like, bear, bear. So I, I like kind of see it, and I can see that it's like blonde. It's real confusing hunting with somebody named Bear. <laughs> yes, especially when there's a grizz and a black bear running at you, <laughs> like, bear, bear, no, bear, bear, bear. No, seriously. No, bear. one time, one time, Corey and I, I keep interrupting this story. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, you, we got to draw this out, man. You can't just spill the beans this quick. No. One time while we were hunting this week, all three of us are walking. We're all just scoping out the woods. It was quiet. And I was trying to say something to Bear John Newcomb. And I said, Bear. And Cor- I remember Corey jerked his head like he thought I was saying, Bear. Like, there's a bear. <laughs> you did. There's a slight difference between, uh, there's a bear and bear. I mean, like almost I indiscernible. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm just trying to get him. So, okay, there we were. Yep. And so, <laughs> so, so I say bear. Yeah, like saying that there's a bear. And you so, knew what I was saying. Yeah. And so I see the bear like right as right as you go down. Like I see you go down. I see you're looking over here, and I see a bear like probably 35 yards from us. And at first, like. I could tell it was like black bear shaped, but it looked like a grizzly. Like yeah, I, I was thinking, absolutely. like I was thinking, like oh man, it's just another grizzly, which would have been cool. But you know, we're trying to get a black bear, and we've seen a lot of grizzlies at this point in the hunt. Yeah, you had just seen one. Yeah, an hour before, a, a blonde grizzly. Yeah, I mean, perfect. almost the same color as yes. the one yeah. that we saw. A grizzled grizzly bear. Yes. And so we kind of like peek back up, and you look at it, and you're like. That's a black bear, and you tell me to look at it, and I look at it, and I mean, it's definitely a black bear. Confirmation from him, because you know, to hunt Montana, you have to take a bear ID, a digital bear ID test, where they show you pictures of color faced bears and grizzly bears, and it says, "Is this a grizzly bear? Is this a brown bear? Is this?" And man, it's it would be hard to describe, like unless you when you when you see them, you know, and you know, bear hunters know. It, it it would be hard to mess up, but at the same time. This bright blonde bear, like I did a double take, just like, golly, is that a is that a black bear? And I wanted, and bear was going to be the one to pull the trigger. So, 
I wanted him to be confident too. And I trusted his judgment. And I said, you sure that's black bear? And he said, oh yeah. What did you, what, what distinguishing characteristics? Um, it, it was just small. It was more round, just like its body, just like in general. It had yeah little bigger ears, a little closer together. Um, that's really all. I mean, it just looked like it's, a black it's bear. Its face, like if you if you couldn't have seen its head, you'd have thought it it would have it would have been hard to tell told yeah. what it was. Its head to me, its head was slightly darker than its body. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, darker legs, little darker legs. And yeah. so once but we bleach blonde on the top, I mean, oh. like beautiful. I mean, just glowing in the sun. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, and so. I get the gun up. There's kind of some like weeds in front of it. How far is the bear? Probably less than 35. Probably like. I mean, we could. It was a bow shot. Yeah. And there's some weeds in front of it. And I mean, I probably could have shot through the weeds and would have killed it, but I was not going to risk that. So I kind of like walked to the right a little. And you were telling me to shoot, but there were shoot weeds. Bear, shoot, yeah. Shoot. But there were weeds. And so <laughs> then it took a big step and it was clear. So just free handed. Yep. Just, just free-handed, you know. So, that close. Yep, shot it, jumped up, probably ran 15 yards and died right next to this little brush pile. And, yeah, we walked over to it. And it had a big, like, diamond crest on it. Like, it was, like, the shape of a diamond, like a white white crest, but it, there was nothing in the middle, so it was just, like... So it was, it was the color phase, blondish... Yeah brown in the middle yeah yep and for real i i'm not just saying this it is it's the prettiest black bear i have ever seen me too we i, I was shocked i mean when we walked up to it and we knew what color it was because we saw it when we shot it but then i walked up to it and bear picks up that front leg and it's got this not just a small diamond not like a six inch diamond i'm talking like a 14 inch yeah diamond that goes like way down in between his front legs and way up on his chest. Just this big white spot. You'll see it on my Instagram. I'll, I'll post on the Clay Newcomb Instagram um, a picture of the bear. I mean, just beautiful bear. Um, I've never killed a blonde bear. I've killed multiple color phase bears, but chocolate, cinnamon-ish. cinnamon-ish. But never cinnamish, yeah. uh, never a blonde bear, and uh, and then, okay, I'll I'll say this. Typically, in the West, you can almost take this to the bank. Typically, in the West, if you see a bright blonde black bear, usually it's a sow. I don't know why. I can't describe it, but usually the sows are the ones that are going to be super light that bleach blonde blonde color so when i saw the bear i actually thought it was probably a sow but we looked it over and could see it so good and it was kind of in the wide open so i mean we knew it, it, if it was a sow it didn't have cubs and when we got up to it i said lift that thing's legs up and sure enough it was a boar and it was a it was a good one man we, we squared it out back at camp and it was six foot three wingspan yep and then five foot eight nose to tail. Yep. So it ended up squaring just under six foot. So if you divided those two numbers, it ended up squaring five foot ten and a half is what we decided. That's a Western bear hunter's dream bear right there. It yeah, really is. For up here, that's a great, I mean, if it had been a solid black bear, we'd have been thrilled sure. just to, even at the size of it. Yeah. So the fact that it was a colored bear like that was just, off the charts man mm-hmm. off the charts it's a rare rare bear yeah. and we thought that like whenever i asked you like what you'd think it would square at first like when we just first walked up to it you said like it'll probably be like a little bit above five foot yep. once we started dragging it out started skinning it you said like maybe five and a half and then once we had it like stretched out in the back of the truck then yeah it just like Seems yeah, like it just got bigger, bigger and bigger. Usually <laughs> they get smaller. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, when so Bear and I decide so we're now in Grizz Country Deluxe and we've got a bear on the ground. And so we knew we needed to work quick and it was it kind of was in a it, it fell in a little bit of a brushy spot. So I said, Hey, let's drag this thing into that wide open right out there 
or we'll skin it. And so he and I start dragging the thing, and it was all we wanted to drag. And that's when I thought, man, this dude may be bigger, a little bit bigger than I think, you know. I, I would guess the bear weighed in the 200-pound range. Yeah. You know, and for a western bear, that's a fantastic bear. That's a dandy. I've weighed a lot of bears, Corey. And, it, man, I could make jokes all day. We've I've written articles about it, about how typically people are th- at least 30% off on their estimation of weight. Mm. Um, if somebody says it's 200, it's probably 30% off of that. That's just my mm. assessment of uh, – of, of watching the world mm-hmm. rarely is anybody under that um and and honestly the bear the bear was i'd say from 180 to 200 now counting the 30 <laughs> percent i'm hoping that's not 30 percent off but uh well those packs were sure heavy with all the meat the hide and the head yeah you guys were coming out heavy so Corey had separated from us, and so we we go to breaking down the bear immediately i mean we take a few cell phone pics and we we know it's getting dark, and we're four miles from the truck, four miles from the truck, and I'll, I'll, all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know, we got to be watching for grizz. So I pull out my bear spray, keep the lid off, the safety off. We go to skinning the bear, and we get it broke down in probably 45 minutes or so, and uh, get it in our packs. And off we go to meet you and meet up with you. And anyway, incredible hunt. And yeah. since that time, Corey and I have hunted a little bit. Well, we've we've hunted a fair bit since that time, but um, have hadn't killed one since. So it's gotten a little warm, so our yeah. our time frame's a little bit narrower. It was wet and cold the first three days. And now it's been warm and dry, so it's been, in my opinion, a little harder to harder to find them when it's warm and dry like it is so we've done well this week yeah seen a lot of bears yeah well i okay i want to talk about the genuine outlaws episode number two but i don't want to go into much of it guys i want to just i just want to touch on it um i know both of you guys have listened to it and this is this is a bear grease render in the field where we're literally rendering bear grease and I, I want to talk about this podcast with the with the render crew from back in Arkansas too. But uh, Corey, you listened to it. What was your what'd you think, man? Intriguing subject number one. I mean, and and brave subject. Nobody's really talked about this sort of thing. You know, there's movies and books of outlaws and bad guys. But nobody's really dove in and and uh operated on it like you are it's in the hunting space is that what you yeah mean? well in the hunt, hunting space yeah exactly outlaws poachers what have you yeah so it's been an intriguing topic and i I love that you're diving into it like yeah. you are yeah um you know that it was I, I we talked about this extensively but in the in the past renders and, and even on the podcast but i kind of want to be true to the culture of of hunting of rural America, and I'm telling you, people where I grew up wanted to talk about Louis Dell and Charlie Edwards, and so did I. And so here I have this podcast where we talk about all things hunting, and I'm diving into these little nuances inside of hunting, and 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 just trying to figure out kind of what makes us tick, and what what what's special, and what is is what 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 is the culture of hunting. And obviously, poaching and outlawing is a negative thing in any context. But I was just really, really had questions of why these guys kind of held the positions that they did inside of our community and why we were so intrigued by them. And uh, I still don't have all the answers for that. Mm. But uh, You may never find the answers. (laughs) (laughs) But... They were definitely a interesting, oh, super interesting brothers. Bear, what did you think, man? Um, I, I yeah, I thought it was interesting too. I remember like you and Papa talking about them, like just how they, a lot of those stories that were on the podcast. I remember hearing from 
you and Papa, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. They had to be like really good hunters. Mm-hmm. I feel like because yeah, I mean, like they were. We hunt in that area all the time, and like the fact that they could kill more turkeys than were legal to me. I mean, I know there were more turkeys back then, but still, right. to me, seems like you'd have to be a really good hunter. Yeah, because yeah. we can hardly kill one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if we were trying to be outlaws, we'd have a hard time. We'd be like, doggone it, I can't kill over my limit for anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poachers we need to make a, a movie called Poachers Gone Bad, where a couple of guys go out and inspired by the Bear Grease Genuine Outlaws podcast series. Mm-hmm. They're like, doggone it, man, we're gonna be poachers. And they go out and they can't kill a thing. <laughs> they like try to break every game law. This is a joke, people. Yeah. This is a joke. Um Bear, did uh, listen to this make you want to be an outlaw? No. Okay, good. Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. Man, my dad, if Gary Newcomb were here, he's a guest on the render often. He he kept a he did a good job with me in I mean, just he he exposed us to that stuff and I said at the beginning of the podcast that dad he instilled me with a a, a value system that I mean, I've not always upheld to i mean but i I knew breaking game laws wasn't the thing to do or something i was interested in going out and doing on purpose and but at the same time he exposed me to all this stuff and um i think it was really valuable to me to see him and he really did man he was he was influential to me in a lot of ways when it came to people because he dealt with so many people, and when he came home, those are the stories he would tell about the people he'd met. And it just, I don't know, I, I probably just was sitting there as a kid, not saying much, not, he, he probably didn't even know that I was being impacted by a lot of that stuff, but that's the beauty of kind of father and son relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. But what else do you think, Corey? Anything else? What else stood out to you? This is kind of like an abbreviated an abbreviated render as we talk about the genuine outlaw series i mean who was it neil took the words right out of my mouth just describing them similar to robin hood how they yeah. were poaching all these animals but they didn't waste a thing and they were giving them to the needy the less able who couldn't get out and hunt you know yeah like helping people out at the same time breaking laws being unethical if you were to describe it but but helping people out at the same time yeah i mean i could see those two being like robin hood and little john yeah walking through the forest <laughs> shooting turkeys and deer golly what a day <laughs> beautiful rhyme you know when i said all that it wasn't to justify what they did because it doesn't justify what they did Mm-mm. it's just interesting very and and just it's just interesting and in their ethics when it came to waste and meat i would say they had very high standards especially for the time when it came to waste and meat and does that mean i'm trying to say it was okay for you them to poach no i'm just saying it was interesting well you wish ethical hunters had that same drive to utilize the entire animal there's many people who only get one deer tag one elk tag but they don't take all the meat they don't cook up those deer or elk shanks you know they don't know about it they don't yeah. and it sounds like these guys even though they were breaking laws they were somehow on the bright side of things at the same time there was a dark yeah. side and a bright side well and then i was really uh i tell you what we're going back to the render pot let's go ahead and take that off of there Corey. okay and let's just put the dutch oven lid on it so it doesn't get ash in it i think we're so we rendered it down it's probably over 80 percent liquid we're just going to let it cool in this pot before we pour it into our jars. But I'm, I'm going to guess we've got cl- over a gallon. Would you say we've got a – you think that's probably a gallon? I'm envisioning pouring a gallon milk jug in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a gallon. I More bet, than right a there. gallon. It's close. Yeah. So, no, I uh, I was interested in – I asked I asked Stony, I said uh I said, Hey Stoney, do y'all have some deer heads? 
from your uncle and dad. Mm. I envisioned them just having a barn just full of deer horns. And uh, and to be honest with you, I wasn't going to put that on the podcast. I wanted to go see them. I mean, these guys were deer hunters too. I mean, their whole life. I mean, like serious deer hunters. And Stoney says, no, oh, no, they, they didn't keep any horns. Wow. And And I was like, what? Didn't keep any horns? I mean, when you hear a poacher, you think, oh, somebody that's wanting to shoot the biggest buck and, you know, brag on what a big buck he killed. Around here, people, yeah, anywhere, I guess, you, they shoot animals and you just see a decapitated critter because that's what they were after was the, the trophy. Right. You know? and, and does that make it right to poach? No. No. And then the one time that they turned somebody in, and that would have been funny. Like, in our community, like, if you would have heard, Ludell and Charlie turned in somebody, the game and fish. I mean, people would have laughed at that, you know, that these guys were turning someone in. But the one time they turned somebody in was when they found, behind a deer camp, they found, like, four deer that just the back straps and horns had been taken. Hmm. And they were like, nah, this, this isn't going to fly. They call it game and fish. Does that make it right, Bear? Nope. It just makes it what? Interesting. Yep. <laughs> That's what it does. It just make it's just interesting. And I always like it when uh, when when I don't know, I, I just feel like just everybody's got a story and there's value inside of just about any story and just about any person's life and, and I like it when we kinda can can see interesting stuff inside of maybe someone that the the world had labeled as a negative person. And we're going to dive into this a lot deeper. Man, do y'all have any closing thoughts on the Outlaw Podcast, Corey? Let's just start there. Outlaw Podcast, closing thoughts? I hope you dive in and dissect if there's another duo of outlaws or so you want some more I, wa- I want some more yeah you're going on the record i know this was kind of just like a a tippy toe step into the subject and i, I hope there's more okay yeah it's intriguing so you weren't, you weren't offended by this because no I, man it may it, have been just like crystal clear like i was a i was obviously i was confident enough to do it but i and i have taken a little bit of heat because it is controversial it's controversial to paint someone who's clearly an outlaw in any kind of positive light. And I absolutely, I mean, we talked about their whole lives and so, but you want some more of it. Yeah. Okay. Bear, what what, what do you think about the Bear Grease podcast? Are you a fan or are you just kind of like, ah, it's the dad talking. (laughs) I like it. You like it? How, how much do you listen to the Bear Grease podcast? Honestly. Um, well, since I've started driving on my own, I've been listening to it less because oh, I <laughs> thought you were going to say more and I was going to be really proud. Oh, yeah. No, because whenever I'm in the car with you, when you're driving me places, you know, we always listen to them. But yeah, whenever it's just me. I ha- I listen to them to edit them, Corey. Mm-hmm. Bear, how often do you listen to the Meat Eater podcast? Probably never. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, that means Bear Grease must be a little better. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Steve. Oh, well, hey, great week. What a week. Great yeah. week. Grizz encounters, bear encounters, killed a beautiful bear, ate some great food. We're hunting in Corey's, Corey, this is this is Corey's place, and man, thanks a ton for having us up here. My pleasure. Thanks for coming all the way up here. Hey, w- tell us, I never got to what you do for Meat Eater mm. now. You, ha- you, you were the what? I was the communications coordinator, answering all the incoming emails to Meat Eater at TheMeatEater.com, uh, but I just got promoted to the Hunt and Fish coordinator okay yeah which i'm fresh at this role yeah uh, i'm excited to work I'm, i'll be able to work a lot closer to the crew clay steve yanni and yeah. uh yeah i'm excited excellent well we got some bear fat to pour into some jars and the next bear grease podcast oh my, i'm very excited about it it's it's more outlaw stuff but it's more us dissecting the american intrigue with outlaws not just american the the, the human nature's intrigue with outlaws and kind of dissecting it i think it's going to help for me to make sense of some of this 
Yeah, I'm going to need some of that too, because that's what's intriguing. Like, I didn't realize it was an intriguing subject, but being able to delve into yeah. to that will make it. And I may or may not have interviewed the director of the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission about <laughs> poaching in Arkansas. Cool. You have to see if I did or not. Maybe mm. that's just a bluff. Hmm. You think it's a? You think I'm bluffing, Bear? <laughs> Doubt it. A bluffing bear. Get it? Bluffing bear. We've been bluffed out maybe once or twice this week. Keep the wild places wild, because that's where the bears live. Amen. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me... Enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease.